0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Win Win Podcast. We are in August, which means that we are actually in the second half of the year. It is also my birthday this month on the 18th, but more importantly, it is Win Win's second birthday. But beginning its third year of production, which is bonkers. I feel like I was a different person when I started this podcast. I was just kicking off my first bank bank job in product management. The world was six months into the pandemic. There was no light at the end of the tunnel, if you ask me. And as cheesy as it sounds, for me, it was really this podcast that reminded me that more than ever, especially in a crisis, we have to turn to leaders and women leaders in the innovation space to help us persevere and come out better and stronger, which I think we all did. This is another reason why I am thrilled to have our guests today. And yes, I am aware that this episode is double the usual length of what we put out here on the Win Win podcast. But the truth is that we have two superstar guests that essentially give us a life seminar on navigating your career as an innovation professional, what it's like to go from a big company to starting your own company how to think about innovation and diversity at every stage of your business, how they're considering product-market fit, what it's like to be two diverse co-founders, a man and a woman. And I mean, I could go on and on, but I really do want to hand it over to Ravi Mehta and Victoria Young, who are the co-founders of Scale Higher, a company that is reinventing the way that people learn and grow through their development courses, their guided sprints, their coaching platform, and more. A quick buy on each one of them before we dive in. Ravi is our male guest for today, and he was the chief product officer at Tinder, an executive and resident at Forge, and he was also previously at companies like Facebook, TripAdvisor, and Xbox our amazing woman in innovation is victoria young who is scale hires co-founder Victoria's a visionary she's a builder she's a strategist she has probably led the go-to market strategy for some of your favorite products and or shows at companies like facebook and uber including the launch of uber pool and facebook live at netflix she led product innovation for shows including tidying up with marie kondo and you and if you know me You know I love a show about a sociopath, so that definitely wins her extra innovation points in my book. I hope you enjoy the magic of this dynamic duo and definitely check out Scale Higher. I'm going to be taking their amazing product management coaching and programs this month, so I am thrilled to hopefully participate in this experience together with you. But regardless, let's dive into today's conversation. Hi, Victoria and Ravi. Welcome to the Win Win Podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us. We're excited to be here.
0: I feel like, you know, we get double the points, double the bonus effects of having two guests on this week. So I'm really excited to dive in to both of your backgrounds. They are equally as exciting and impressive for our guests. So I'd love to just kick it off with Victoria. Victoria, after working at half of the big tech companies out there, including Netflix and Facebook and Uber and Google, as well as Disney, you are now the co-founder of Scale Hire, which is a company that rethinks coaching and, you know, We'll talk all about all the different elements of it, about the guided sprints, but I'd really love to start with you. I believe that from my online stalking, this is your first founder (laughs) venture, even though you've been a part of the startup world in many, many capacities. So I guess why now and how did you take that plunge of saying, I'm just going to make my own thing?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, like you mentioned, I've always been really fascinated with startups and been interested in building something from scratch, but all of the career opportunities I've had, they've always been pretty opportunistic. And for me, it's been, you know, if I have the right person and the right type of, um, you know, area and focus, that's really what I look for. And when Ravi approached me, he had been a friend and mentor of mine for a while, and I really enjoyed collaborating with him on blog posts and whatnot. And You know, when he came to me with the idea of scale, it just was like the perfect combination of all those things, right? It aligned with my values. It was someone that I really respected and wanted to learn from and was really excited to work with. Um, It was an area that I really felt like needed innovation and needed to um, just have more productization and scale. And so a lot of the times in my career when I've said yes to an opportunity, it's been because of that kind of combination of things have felt really right for me if it hadn't been for that combination, you know, switching and and joining a startup, it's a big commitment, right? And, you know, having those in alignment makes that commitment much easier to make.
0: I also think something that you called out, maybe consciously, subconsciously, is that you're almost like mapping out these frameworks around how you are thinking about opportunities, how you are thinking about your career. So I'd love to think about your grand planning of your career have you always articulated in my next opportunity i will look at xyz or have you looked at your career as a ladder or a singular point to get to or what has really been your recipe
2: yeah i think that's something that a lot of people who come to you know me and ravi want to get some coaching on really because it feels like such a big decision every time you're about to make a new move right and it can feel like a lot of pressure it's really stressful And so for me, as I've progressed through each new opportunity, what I've always made a conscious decision to do is reflect on what's worked and what hasn't worked for me in that previous opportunity and really start to identify patterns, right? Like what helps me work at my best? What type of people do I really feel the most inspired by and um, who I really want to work with? You know, are there specific conditions under which I work best? And when you start to, you know, identify all of those different, you know, points of contribution to your work experience, right? That helps you determine when you see something up, you know, up and coming in the future, is this actually going to be a good fit for me or not? And, you know, part of it is just having that experience of mismatches, right? And from those mismatches, you can learn a lot about yourself, a lot about, you know, what types of companies and people um, really resonate with you. And so, it's been kind of this ongoing journey and iteration of, okay, I think this is, you know, this is a hypothesis about what I, what would work for me in my career, right? Let me test it out and see if it's true or not true. And what can I learn from it? And, you know, move on to the next thing. And slowly over time, you start to fine tune and get closer and closer to what's optimal for you. Um, And for me, you know, this is, slowly been kind of the the direction I've gone, just because I love creating, I love problem solving, and who I work with matters a lot to me. Um, So when I had that, you know, it really was a good fit. And
0: we definitely will get more into your background, Victoria, as well as a deep dive into Ravi. But Ravi, I've seen you nodding on this video, which our listeners will (laughs) not. So I just love to hear from you if you do want to interject, uh, you know, which of that has resonated most with you and, and where have you maybe disagreed?
1: Yeah, definitely. A lot of it uh, resonates with me, I think, as I look at my career. You know, I haven't, you know, at times I've had a really clear roadmap for where I want to go. I've often taken roles for the opportunity and the destination that I could get to as a result of that opportunity. Um, And a couple of years ago, when I started to think about what I wanted to do next, what I really realized was that the times when I've been both the most satisfied and the most successful – haven't really had to do with the destination. They've more had to do with the journey. Um, And so for me, starting scale was about really two things. One is, what's a problem that I really want to solve? Where if I spend the next four or five years, or however long it is, focus on that problem, I'll feel really good about that time, um, because it'll be focused on a problem that's really meaningful, where there's interesting things to solve, and where we can really make an impact and then, secondly, is who are the people I really want to work with? And you know, Victoria and I are someone who met a couple of years ago. Both as we were thinking about what we wanted to do next, we instantly struck up a friendship. We kept in touch. I always felt energized after my conversations with Victoria. And so, this was a great combination of let me focus on the journey, let me focus on an interesting problem with a great co-founder. And you know, as a result of that, success will come by solving for an important problem rather than, you know, I think what I had done earlier in my career, which is also a good thing to do, but, um, you know, has its ups and downs, is focused really on the destination and and the opportunity that comes with with that destination.
2: Similar to Ravi, like early on in my career, when I was in, you know, a freshman in college, you know, it was very much, oh, I really want to be the CEO of whatever company, right? And being, again, very destination focused, being focused on what on the outside might sound really exciting and, and, and look shiny um, and really going for that as opposed to reflecting on you know, what the actual day-to-day and what the actual conditions of that particular role or that particular company might be. When you allow that to guide you, you end up actually more successful in the ways that matter to you because you're focused on the right things and you're aligning your values.
0: As I've progressed in my career, I also think it's about gaining that confidence to say, not everybody's going to look at this piece of paper and see a straightforward line or see what I want them to see, but I'm okay with that because when it comes down to it, the right people or the right opportunities will align and give me the opportunity to maybe narrate <laughs> what it was I was really doing behind the scenes. But Victoria, you know, I definitely don't want to downplay the incredible toolkit that you've had, whether it's product marketing or product management, strategy, tech, innovation. And you've really done done so, so many different things in your career. So I'd really love to hear about, you know, any of these monumental, pivotal moments or decisions that you've made during your career trajectory that you think are really instrumental in either your success in this role so far, or as to Victoria, the career journey human.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, kind of touching upon what we've been discussing is I've always been like a little bit entrepreneurial, like when I was a kid, I would always have like garage sales and be on eBay selling stuff. And, you know, I just love the idea of creating something and bringing it to the world. And so even when I was, you know, going for my MBA, I studied and focused on entrepreneurial strategy and a lot of like those types of programs and joined the club and all that. So I always kind of had that in me and I was always kind of keeping an eye out for like the best opportunity. Right. And so I joined Uber early on, very deliberately so when we talk about like career planning i was pretty specific in that moment um after i came out of business school because i wanted to be somewhere that i could learn enough of like kind of a startup skill set without being fully exposed to the risks of like super early stage Mm -hmm. and so i set the criteria for myself of like okay it has to be like pre-ipo has to be consumer has to be something that is really high growth and fortunately i ended up you know with you know through a friend which all of my opportunities have been through people right Mm -hmm. so I always talk about the importance of having great relationships but um, he introduced me to someone at Uber and I ended up getting um, a role focused on launching Uber Pool and it's crazy but people often forget like even when you're a company like Uber and at that point they you know scaled to tons of cities Mm -hmm. you know they were about to IPO in about a year so it wasn't like they were early early stage but I was literally still like downloading excel files of people's (laughs) user ids and uploading it into this internal web tool uh, manually like every like 20 rows at a time because i had to like count and see like how the promotions were getting redeemed real time for this because we had like a cap so like all those really kind of scrappy things you have to do at a startup i started out doing that when i joined uber right so that kind of gave me a foundation and, and the exposure to seeing wow even at a company that's at this size and scale, there were so many things that were still, you know, broken and being built and had to be done manually. And so that was a really great foundation, I think. Um, And then from there, you know, scaling up to bigger companies like Facebook um, and Netflix that, you know, then became a little bit easier in that I ended up getting more tools and resources and then harder on the influence and management side. Right. And so there's kind of like this spectrum of skills you have to have as you scale from like a small company to like a bigger company and there's trade-offs in, you know, what is more important at each stage.
0: Right, and I think with each stage of challenges there's also tremendous opportunities and I think that that's when it really goes back to like are these the opportunities you're invigorated by at this, you know, place in your career. Before we kind of move to Ravi, and I, I'd i love to ask this question to both you, Victoria and Ravi, you both did make a series of many calculated and I'm sure some accidental decisions. But ultimately, you did not take the pathway of start a startup at age 21. You know, I know there's a ton of glorification of starting your own company at x age or at why opportunity or time in your life Uh, would just love to hear your reflections on your pathway and whether you feel good about the time when you came to entrepreneurship or maybe some surprising lessons people can learn about entrepreneurship
2: part of what is exciting about entrepreneurship again is like being able to create and build something and bring it to the world right but i especially being a first generation immigrant like that was extremely risky for me. Um, I actually didn't even know about like startups and Silicon Valley and any of that. When I was, you know, growing up or in college, I just had no exposure, no connection to that world at all. And so when I started to get exposure to it, um, I couldn't even get a job at like Google. Right. And that's part of why I went to business school. I was like, oh my gosh, like I I love this world. I'm so intrigued by it. I need to get a way in, Um, you know, business school for me ended up being a really good decision to help you know, at least pave the path into that world. Mm -hmm. Um, But once I was there, I I knew I didn't know what I needed to, to like start a company of my own, right? Like I was reading all the books, like Lean Startup and, Mm -hmm. you know, all like all, all the books in Silicon Valley that you can imagine at the time, but it just wasn't, I knew I didn't have like the concrete experience to feel confident about jumping right in and doing it myself. And I also didn't have the risk profile. Like, again, I was like, had just spent a ton of money going to business school. Um, I knew I wanted to like at least build up my savings again. And so I think it's very important to understand what your own comfort levels are with the level of risk and also your own capabilities, right? Being honest with yourself and having that self-awareness of, okay, realistically, am I in a place right now where if I started a startup, I'd be able to succeed in a reasonable amount of time? Or will it be like many painful years of you know grinding and, and not being sure just because I've Never tried this before, maybe don't have the right network or the right skill set. And so, for me now at this point, because I'd built up a lot of experience at a spectrum of companies, I joined a venture studio actually prior to starting scale. And there I also was working on a couple of different business ideas from the ground up. And so, you know, when Robbie came to me, it felt very natural at this point in my career to especially partner with someone like Robbie, right, who is very knowledgeable, has a great network, and just someone I could learn from. And I felt like, you know, in the dark moments of startup life, I could collaborate with him and still feel like we could make it out together. So that was kind of the combination of reasons that right now felt great for me. But, you know, I don't think there's ever necessarily a perfect time. It just kind of, you you make it work. And if it's something that you really care about and you feel like is the right move, you know, everything will eventually work out in one way or the other if you, you know, find the right environment, the right partner. And so that's kind of um, what I went with when, you know, I decided to go full-time on scale. I mean,
0: I resonate with that on so many levels. I remember taking my first role out of grad school. I had also gone to grad school to help me get my foot in the door into this industry. It felt like Mm. unless I had a computer science degree, nobody even looked my way. And so I got my master's at Columbia and I graduated into a pandemic where I had several job offers revoked. And when Citibank came to me and were like, and we can offer you stability and all these other things, I looked at Mm. my own situation. I said, does this role meet the criteria of all the things that I really want to learn about and, and still help me you know, work towards my destination or my goals? But at the same time, is it in line with the other factors of life that really do seep into your career? And I'm sure we'll mm-hmm. talk all about that. But um, Ravi, I, I was curious to hear about your kind of points of view on entrepreneurship and when you got started.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more about it having to align with what you want to accomplish, not just professionally, but also personally. I started my first company in high school. So um, I started a game company uh, senior year of high school. I dropped out of college for a little bit to do that full time and eventually went back and finished up my my degree. And my first role out of school was at Microsoft. So it couldn't have been any mm. more different than you know a handful of people <laughs> making games to going to a massive company that was making a multi-billion dollar investment in gaming with, with Xbox um, and some of the other things they were doing in, their, in the space. And I think Two things to me have stuck out about entrepreneurship. One is, um, you know, I think as an industry we valorize entrepreneurship, and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of hype around startups, and people are encouraged to take that risk as soon as they as soon as they can. And there's some value to that, right? I, I think entrepreneurship can be incredibly fulfilling. It can also be really rewarding, but it's something where you have to have a personal readiness. For I hadn't thought about it much when I was in high school, but after I finished with college, I knew I didn't want to go back into the startup grind. I wanted to go to an established company and work on problems at a bigger scale, and throughout my career, I've gone back and forth between smaller companies and bigger companies, always aligned to some degree with how I was feeling about it from a personal standpoint and whether or not I was ready um, to take the plunge and really devote that level of energy and intensity to creating something new. The second thing that I think is really important is that there are really interesting problems at both a large scale as well as at the startup phase, and that doesn't get talked about enough. The thing that I really loved about working at Microsoft, on Xbox, and at TripAdvisor, and at Tinder is these are products that impact millions of people, and it's really gratifying to be able to work on something and then talk to someone that you meet randomly about a feature that you just helped build or about a problem that you just helped solve for them. And so you know, there's definitely, I think, benefits to being on the entrepreneurship side, there's benefits to being in larger organizations, I think if you can combine the two from a career standpoint, um, and really have both as part of your journey, as well as apply skills to both of those, that's like the best of both worlds.
0: Completely. And I think that that's one of the reasons why I've definitely left behind this notion of, you know, a career ladder, and this step leads you to that step, you know, right, I think because. That way, you are able to open yourself up to a variety of opportunities and grow and learn from them in different ways. But Ravi, specifically, you really have done such a wide range of things. You you mentioned TripAdvisor. You've also been CPO at Tinder. Um, You've had a bunch of different experiences uh, building out thought leadership and courses as a part of your role as an executive in residence at Reforge, where you actually created the product leadership program. But I've also really read a lot of your work, and it really talks, in my opinion, about being strategic with your career and really evaluating your skill sets and, you know, where it is that you have to grow and what it is that you have to do. And so when you are advising somebody or when you are thinking about building out your career, do you think that, you know, choosing to be a generalist or a specialist or working at five large companies and one startup or some of those formulas in between, do you think certain... Combinations are more conducive to a certain role, like CEO or chief product officer, if that is your goal.
1: I really like the idea of thinking about your skills and experience as a T shape. And so the idea here is that you should be good at a whole bunch of different things. And so there should be a set of things that you are a generalist at. Um, but there should also be a handful of things, one one to three different things, where you are uniquely great um, and where you can bring value that's differentiated from whatever um, anyone else can bring because it's something that you're passionate about, it's something that you're talented at. And I think that's the ideal thing to strive for is one is to have the self-awareness about what that T-shape looks like for you, what are the set of things that you're generally really good at, and what are the things that you are singularly great at, if you can have that introspection – then it gets much easier to make some of the career choices that we've talked about and to find a role that's a really good fit for your shape um, as an individual and that really takes advantage of the strengths that you have. This for me was like an unlock. I can't remember when I first heard it, but I heard this idea of, you know, really successful people are spiky, that they're great at certain things. Um, And actually, the enemy of greatness is to be well rounded. And you're never going to be great by um, trying to sand off your rough edges and fill in the gaps that you have, you're going to be great by investing in the thing that you're uniquely really good at that you're uniquely talented at. And so for me, that was a really big unlock to stop thinking as much about you know, what are the gaps that I need to fill and understanding that there's different ways to fill those gaps. If I'm not strong at something, maybe your co-founder is really strong at those things. Or, um, you know, if there's a skill that just doesn't click for me, I'm more design oriented and someone else is more data oriented, you can work with someone who's really great at the data side of things. And so that's really freeing for you to be able to say, I want to double down on the things that I naturally love to do, the things where I get into a flow state, the things where I know I can do that, really, really well. And then I can surround myself with a team that complements that. Um, So that self-awareness I think is really important.
0: I would imagine that the next piece of that is, you know, plugging it in and pressure testing, whether all of those things are conducive to that next role or your dream role or the opportunity at hand. So I think that that makes a lot of sense. So as you were you know, maybe doing that in your own journey and in your own trajectory, Ravi, um, you started scale higher. So before you even reached out to Victoria, take me through your process of, of, you know, coming up with this idea, um, and really deciding to go ahead with it.
1: So I left Tinder beginning of 2020. Um, I was going to take some time off and kind of spend some time exploring. And then the pandemic hit, um, so that threw a wrench in in the works. Um, but I knew at that point that I wanted to do something more entrepreneurial and that rather than going to a big company, I wanted to start something. It was really a matter of figuring out what that thing was. And you know that process was really exciting, but it was also challenging in the sense that you know, the universe of things that you could work on is so broad. Um, it took me a while to kind of figure out a set of ideas that I was really excited about. Um, and what I did for a little while was uh, two things. One, I just started advising uh, companies and talking to a lot of different people in a lot of areas, um, including some areas where I didn't know a lot about. So one of the areas I was potentially interested in was health tech. Um, so I mm-hmm. took a role as um, an interim CPO at a health tech company and helped them with some of the early work that they were doing um, to raise their next round and got much, got much more experience in that particular area. I did that for a few other areas as well. So my first step was like, let me just talk to as many people as possible and get as many, much experience in different areas so that i can get a feel for what i'm really passionate about and then the second mm-hmm. thing was i have a doc of just business ideas and i would you know every time i had an interesting idea i would write it down just add it to the doc but what i found over time was that there was a couple of things that i kept coming back to over and over again as potentially areas where there was a really interesting problem to solve. And one of those is around coaching. But the problem with coaching was I didn't know whether or not you could create a venture-scale business with coaching. It's such a human-driven thing that you know the problem with trying to create a VC-backed coaching company is you don't want to run a services business. Like, that's not what venture capital is designed for. That's not where you can go and you can really solve this problem that I wanted to solve, which is how do you make coaching much more accessible? So, the thing I kept thinking about is is there a way to actually productize coaching, make it much more accessible, make it more affordable, um, and do it in a way which is conducive to venture scale? And, you know, that was kind of like an unsolved problem that I thought a lot about for a couple of months. And then one day, I can't remember what app I was using, I was either like Calm or Headspace or something like that. And then I realized there was this really interesting array of apps that are innovating around the relationship between a person and a provider. So, in for Calm and Headspace, it's a relationship between a person and a meditation coach. For Talkspace, it's a relationship between a person and a therapist. Noom, it's nutrition counseling. You know, there's other examples as well. Peloton, it's and Future, it's fitness. And so, there was this really interesting um, solution space that was evolving in every area except for professional coaching where people are productizing uh, what used to be one-on-one relationships and that used to be human services businesses. And so that's where it clicked for me that, wow, there's a really interesting problem here that I know there's a demand to be solved and there's a really interesting solution space. And this idea of democratizing coaching and really making it accessible to, to people is something that we could do. That's when I talked to Victoria about it. She was also really excited about it. Um, and then we started to talk about what this could look like, what some of the key problems were um, to solve. And as we did that, it became really clear that there's a interesting opportunity here, which can be really impactful and where there's not a lot of people that are playing in that space. And where, speaking you know, to the point about unique strengths, Both Victoria and I have a background in B2C, um, and so having that background in how to create great consumer experiences enables us to think differently about a B2B professional services market in a way that other people haven't been doing yet.
0: Yeah, and I want to dive into all of the different areas of that. I think one one piece I want to start with is, you know, I've frankly had so many different people come on this podcast and talk about coaching. So maybe it's that effect where I feel like I'm seeing coaching everywhere. And maybe it's where I'm at in my career. But just to get a little bit more specific about coaching, you know, I know that there's product management specific coaching and executive coaching and health coaching and wellness coaching and conflict coaching. So I imagine that you've considered, you know, where do you want to start? Where do you want to go? But generally speaking, when you talk about, you know, creating a coaching community with guided sprints and resources, what sort of coaching are you referring to?
1: It's something that we've talked a lot about. There's so many different forms of coaching. People use the term in different ways. You know, At the same time, there's also a lot of talk these days about mentoring. And some people have very specific ideas about what coaching is versus what mentoring is. Other people mm-hmm. feel that the ideas are interchangeable. Um, and so as we've gotten into the space, we've realized that there's a ton of energy here. There's a lot happening. But there's also a lot that's not really well Defined, But what really matters is going back to the problem that an individual has. And the problem that I think people have where they're just not getting enough of a solution is people need more one-on-one support. People will mm-hmm. encounter a challenge, and they just don't know how to face that challenge. And so they need one-on-one support from someone. It could be from a boss. It could be from a friend. It could be from a spouse. But they need some help to overcome that challenge. And that's really the problem that we want to solve for is give people more of the one-on-one support that they need in their lives, because there's been so much growth in different ways to learn. There's lots of information out there. There's tons of books and courses and things of that sort. But when it comes to getting that really like personalized one-on-one feedback on what the right thing is for you to overcome the particular challenge that you have, There's not a lot of that. And so we started with that as a really big problem space for us to focus on. We know we need to niche down to sort of create initial traction. And so the thing that we've been focusing on is how do we provide that one-on-one support to mid-career product managers. That's an area which we know really well. We know we can do that job well. We know that that job is largely unmet. Um, And then from there, we can grow into other forms of coaching. I think for us, our aspiration is not to be specifically around product coaching or executive coaching or another particular type of coaching and to really be a platform where coaches can come to the platform and provide unique value to people across a bunch of different tools and a bunch of different concepts.
0: And Victoria, obviously, Ravi approached you, you already had a different job, but I imagine you were clearly energized enough by the problem to get up and and switch over and become a co-founder. So my question is, what really about this problem space enticed you? And did you have prior experience with coaching, good or bad, that you feel like you're excited to tackle or bring into this venture?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when I went through my first coaching experience, I... Realized what I'd been missing for so long, um, and I really wished I'd had it earlier on in my career and throughout my career. Right? It was just one of those experiences where I was like mind blown at the level of the the amount of impact personalization can have when it comes to addressing areas that you're specifically blocked by. Right? And like it was great. I would I would always be like reading business books and trying to apply those frameworks and best practices, but it wasn't the same as having someone who could listen to you and understand, you know, your specific areas of, uh, you know, your blind spots or areas of growth and help provide some guidance to how you can overcome that. Right. And so when I had that experience, I was like, oh my gosh, more people need this. This is so important. Um, So I began coaching other people on my own from there, you know, continue to do that, got really energized by it felt like I was very much in flow whenever I was in coaching you know so when Ravi asked me like it just made complete sense to really double down on this just because I saw the the impact it had Saw what a big opportunity it was from a business standpoint, and really felt like that was an area. Like, you know, when Robbie mentioned the T shape, like I felt like coaching for me was something that came pretty naturally. And people like to share things with me, and I really like to listen and help them think through different things and help them strategize. And so it became like a really good kind of combination of all those things
0: think that even as a product manager, or just a professional as a whole, it helps you develop and articulate your kind of frameworks. I know that, you know, once I got deeper and deeper in the product management space, so many of my newer product management friends are like, I have this situation, how do I approach it? And I'm like, well, actually, here's a three step framework. And I'm like, where am I even pulling this out from? And it's like, it's so energizing. And I think that there's so many different opportunities to kind of also to consider that as the giga Economy and the creator economy grows like we as professionals, mm-hmm. do we have other jobs and ways that we can contribute to our own industry and develop it? But Victoria on your end, I know Ravi mentioned that he was seeking you out and he was, uh, you know, looking to partner with you on this project. So when you think about the combination of you two working together, what do you think each one of you brings to the table? And where do you learn most from each other? Let's start with you, Victoria, and then we'll switch over to Ravi.
2: When I first met Ravi, I was just blown away by how thoughtful he was and how kind and just willing to be open-minded and collaborative he was. And so when we started um, collaborating on just blog posts originally, that's how we began, he always like actually read all my blog posts, wrote really thoughtful comments, and that was you know just kind of the first way we be- began collaborating with each other. And you know over time, I think we've gotten to know each other's working styles a little bit better as we started to you know progress from hey let's collaborate on a blog post to hey let's start working out on this idea and, and comment back and forth to like now every single day we're like in the trenches together working on like 50 million things. <laughs> but we we I think the the biggest key to our collaboration is just. Our communication, like I always feel really comfortable going to Robbie with whatever it is that's on my mind or whatever thoughts I have. And so having a really strong foundation of trust and mutual respect, I think is, it goes so far because that impacts so many areas of the business, right? If you have any sort of hesitation and sharing your honest thoughts and feelings or concerns you have those can become really serious problems as the business grows and as things progress and so I would say that's um, the foundation that our relationship is built on and you know there's so much I learned from Robbie every day like first off he always blows me away with his level of deep thinking around strategy and his obviously his experience in product is also something that I really look to when we first uh, started the company together I new, like I, I tend to have a lot of ideas <laughs> and Robbie's really great at helping me focus and mm-hmm. say like, Hey, this is actually what makes the most sense for us to do right now. And I find that I'm often, you know, pushing and trying to create like, you know, a huge to do list of all the things we have to, to get done. And Robbie's really good at bringing us back to, okay, in the, like, the near term, this is the most important thing. Let's get this done. And so we balance each other out really well in that way, I think. Um, and we kind of just naturally have fallen into these areas of our own strengths and been able to push the, the business forward together in that way.
0: very, very cool. What about you, Ravi? What do you think?
1: You know one of the things that you have to be when you're an entrepreneur as an athlete, you have to do a lot of things mm. a lot of different things really. I love well. that metaphor um, and the the problems just in any given day in any given week are changing really rapidly. and one of the things I've been incredibly impressed with with victoria is how dynamic she is like every uh, every phase that we've been in so far and the company's only nine months old but it feels (laughs) feels like we've been through three or four lifetimes (laughs) already she's just so good about laser focusing on here's the things that we need to get done and then really dynamically going after those those things and doing whatever it takes to generate value in the particular area that's the most meaningful at the time, um, and so you know that's something that i've really appreciated about Victoria and I think the other thing is the ability to kind of pick her head up from like what we're working on day to day and ask the right questions is something that has been incredibly valuable like i'll tend to I'll tend to go heads down so i'll be completely focused on a particular thing and and worrying about the details and not thinking about like is this even the right path that we should mm-hmm. be thinking about and Victoria's really good about. Um, asking a question around, you know, should we be thinking about this the right way or should we like put this to the side and start to focus on other th- this other thing? Is this, you know, is this another thing that we should think about in terms of what the customer needs or in terms of what we should be prioritizing from a product standpoint? And the combination of those two things is being an athlete who's just able to do a lot of different things well and being someone who is questioning at the right time about whether or not we're heading in the right direction or whether or not we need to reframe our thinking has been you know incredibly valuable over the the short time that the company has been around. We've we've done I think some really good thinking about what the problem space is, how to solve it in a really big way, but also to think about like what is the right niche, what's the right place to place to start. And when you're starting a new company, I think this is something that a lot of people wrestle with: is like, should I start it solo? Should I have a founding um, team of five? Totally. People? Should um. Have a founding team of two people or three people. Like the the numbers piece is so much less important than just having a person you feel like you can partner with and where you can have that open, honest relationship with, you know, there's no way that I would have wanted to do this as a solo founder. It's so energy, energizing, um, knowing every day that Victoria is there to bounce ideas off of and to move the ball forward. And so it's just been a great, great experience so far.
0: I also think when people think about being a solo founder, they don't actually consider that by adding another person or another few people. They're actually opening themselves up as far as maybe poking holes in the problems that they're solving or their logic versus being in a literal echo chamber with yourself. Um, So I think that's a really important piece, and I I definitely want to call out that you both are – non-white, non-traditional founders. And so I imagine there is this piece of diversity that is built in from day one of your partnership. And I just want to hear more about, you know, how are you able to think about that at these early stages? Very honestly, recognizing that there are so many different things you need to focus on.
1: I think a key part about what we're doing around democratizing coaching is to recognize that access to coaching has not been as diverse as it could be. Um, And that a lot of times the people, the executives that have had access to coaches in the past, you know, are not people from all sorts of different backgrounds, and that's led to an unfair advantage that certain people have. And so I think both in terms of the perspectives that we bring to the table, as well as the nature of the problem that we're trying to solve, diversity is really important. Um, It's important that we build a diverse and inclusive product, um, a product that gives people access to support that they might not have had before, um, and that to do that, that we build a diverse and inclusive team. And so, you know, I think that that's something that, you know, absolutely flows from, who we are and our backgrounds, but is also part of, you know, the mission that, that is driving us and and what we want to build.
0: Anything you want to add on that, Victoria?
2: Um, No, I mean, I think Ravi pretty much hit all those points, you know, as someone who, again, was coming into the world, the the tech world with very little um, experience, very little network, having a coach and having some source of support would have been so helpful for me early on. Right. And, that's part of why we're so passionate every day to like wake up and and work on this because there's so many people who have a ton of potential, but they don't have access to the same resources as other people do. And when you're able to provide that access, you can unlock just so much more opportunity for everyone. Um, Especially when you think about helping people reach those more senior levels at a company, what becomes more important at those stages is like your ability to influence your ability to manage stakeholders, a lot of things that frankly, just are less familiar to a lot of people who don't have access to you know, that world of executives or any executive coaching. And so having this type of coaching is particularly helpful for people who are trying to reach that level
0: to give an example where I've seen it in my own life is actually, you know, I mentioned to you both that I finished up grad school. And what I failed to mention is that when I finished up grad school and was ready to start my job, um, and as I as I was graduating, I had a bunch of job opportunities that were rescinded because of the pandemic. Basically, I had to kind of rethink my entire positioning who i was and my brother helped me get an interview or like a phone call with a shopify recruiter and i got on that phone call and she was like well like what are you interested in and i was like i could do product management or product marketing or brand management or marketing or operations management and she was like so which one is it and i was like um all of the above i could do all of them and it was this moment that I got off the phone and she was very kind enough to call my brother and be like, I have to give some honest feedback. Like your sister is great. She's super enthusiastic, but I don't really understand like what it is that she actually brings to the table. And I think about how I wish I had somebody who would be able to help coach me through just figuring out like, I did have experience. this wasn't my first job. I am at that mid level stage and just having somebody help articulate who you are I think is just so pivotal and is the make or break between like getting a job, getting an opportunity or not so I completely agree. I think it comes down to access and just knowing you know what what to ask for
1: I think with that particular situation, personalized advice is really important because sometimes you know, when you're interviewing at Spotify, you do want to have a very clear lane um, that you are presenting yourself in. Like, I want to go down a product management lane, or I want to go down a product marketing lane. But if you're interviewing at a 20 person company, they may love the fact that you want to wear all those hats. And that might be exactly what they're looking for. And I think that level of personalized support, having a sounding board, being able to talk through all of these different cases is really important so that people can get bespoke guidance to help them get to where they want to go and know when to adapt to different situations, which is also the reason why I think diversity is so important in in coaching, because different people, depending on their backgrounds, are dealing with different challenges when they're influencing people and when they're navigating their career. um, And having that personalized advice is really powerful.
0: It just goes to show that if it's accessible, or in this case, when it's accessible through scale hire, it is important to not wait to Hope that you accidentally become an executive and then do executive coaching, but really ask for the tools, ask for the help um, in order to help you get there. So with that, um, I'd love either one of you to just really tell me about the guided sprints and how you came up with this initial offering, what it is and, and how it actually solves some of these problems that we've discussed throughout this podcast.
1: So when we started Scale, we started with the idea that we want to democratize coaching, uh, but we didn't know exactly what that meant. Um, We looked at a bunch of different products that are democratizing the relationship between a person and a provider and doing it at all different levels. Like You have apps like Calm or Headspace, which have completely on-demand content. And then you have apps like Talkspace, where you're talking to an individual therapist. And so there's this interesting spectrum from completely on-demand mm-hmm. to completely personalized and, and human-centered. So we didn't know where we wanted to be along that that spectrum, um, but we did know we wanted to make it accessible and affordable. So we started with the idea of giving someone a professional coach available via text messaging. We thought this is a really interesting way for a person to be able to get real-time advice whenever they need it. Um, We had some questions about whether or not that would work, whether or not people would want to share um, details in text, whether or not the pricing would work, And so we launched a prototype very quickly, I think within a couple of weeks, um, we had a prototype up and running with no code, no code tools. Um, and we found that people were having really interesting conversations, and they were getting some value from that text based coaching experience. And so then we moved to actually charging for the experience. And when we did that, we found that most people did not want to pay, they weren't getting enough value from the experience that they wanted to actually move to, I'm now willing to pay you know, whatever it was per month for text based based coaching, it was a nice to have, but it wasn't fundamental. So we had a a couple of options at that point. And the thing that we hit on was, you know, we wanted to make coaching more, we wanted to productize coaching, we wanted to make it more structured. And uh, we didn't want to just go back to we're matching people with Coaches to have live sessions where we're not actually providing much value other than you know, other than introducing the coach and the person, um, and so we came up with the idea of guided sprints, where it's, are essentially you can almost think about it as a cohort based course where you're the only one in the cohort. Um, so each week of the sprint you have um, a certain amount of content to go through. It's all very lightweight. There's you know anywhere from like ten to thirty minutes of content, um, and then really importantly, you have some exercises to go through where you reflect on the content and you think about how to apply that to your particular challenges that you're facing. So, for example, one of our guided sprints uh, is called "Leveling Up as a PM," um, and the first week we actually have a person take stock of their skills, and so we have a person rate themselves across. Strategy skills and leadership skills and functional specification skills, and from there, once you've completed that those exercises and done that assessment, you then meet with your coach, and you now have this really rich agenda to talk with your coach about. Um, you know, in the first week of uh, the Leveling Up as a PM course, it's about your skills, where you have strengths and where you have gaps that you may or may not need to fill. The next week, we focus on product strategy. The week after that, we focus on leadership and stakeholder. Management. And so each week you get the opportunity to learn something new, to put that into practice, and to get some feedback around how you're actually going to take that topic and really use it to um, change the particular thing you're looking to change, whether it's accelerating your product management career, managing a high-performance team, improving your productivity. And so that's where we are today. We've launched guided sprints to, um, uh, to a set of users off of our wait list across a few different topics. We have a team of coaches now that are coaching people through those sprints, and we're in the process of building out our mobile app and our infrastructure to be able to scale that more.
0: Very, very interesting. And Victoria, would love to hear from your perspective, as you're thinking about some of those offerings and the way that you've broken down those problems. How do you really see that expanding? I know Ravi had mentioned previously, you know, this opportunity between going from a services based company to actually having that venture type scale. So how are you thinking about those things, uh, just in the current state, as well as in the future state?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, what Robbie and I observed with that initial test, right? We had originally thought, okay, one way to scale is to just focus on the messaging-based coaching. But since that alone just wasn't as effective as we would have wanted it to be, what we see a huge opportunity around is pairing that, like Robbie described, in this triangle of like learning, practice, and feedback, and we're testing different ways in which those can manifest in um, a product. And so that is definitely a way for us to help get more coaches into creating these guided sprints, um, which then allows us to cover, you know, and, and serve more people across a wider variety of topics. Um, it also gives us greater fidelity and um, insight around you know, which of these exercises are actually more effective or less effective for people? What's the rating on these different things? And so um, we're really going towards having a more scaled approach to running all of the guided sprints um, so that we're able to get the data and also provide the tools that will enable better coaching um, through the guided sprints and also better feedback for all the members and the coaches
0: you've worked at, we've mentioned at some of these very big companies and smaller companies, and obviously working now at a startup, you're definitely, I'm sure, in in more of a scrappier mode and considering which tools to use, what to spend your time on. So when you think about innovation in whatever sense you want to talk about it, how are you infusing that into your company from day one? What are kind of methodologies or maybe technologies that you're working on to ensure that you are innovative from day one, even at this maybe lower fidelity version of where you see your end state going?
2: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think we are constantly so I think there's a a couple different points. First is we're always evaluating if what we're using right now in the system we have is actually meeting the needs of the coaches and the members that we're serving and so we're constantly getting feedback from them through user surveys through just having an open channel on slack just to make sure that the system we have in place at the moment will kind of meet the needs at the moment right um, and then we're always then continuing to look for better ways to scale that so the second piece is really looking at all the no-code tools or integrations that might be available so we've gone from you know spreadsheets to an air table right to integrating with Zap and Typeform and just really seeing what the best workflows might be for us at this particular stage. And so as we continue to go step by step into each new stage, figuring out what are the best tools at this stage, what are the new integrations we can have and efficiencies we can create? What are things that we can outsource or things that we can um, you know, get more external support on or what do we need to hire internally for? And so constantly um, you know, just reevaluating where we need to be is just really key for us to continue to innovate on our internal processes. And then you know, when we think about innovation for the company, we're also just very much trying to stay plugged into new technologies and trends and just changes in culture and behavior and making sure that we're really adapting our product vision to support all of those new changes. And we're meeting people where they wanna be and um, solving for the needs that they
1: have with new technologies in place.
0: I absolutely love how you're thinking about that. Ravi, anything to add?
1: Yeah, I would just add to that, like one of the key pivots in how we've been thinking about innovation is Initially, we were thinking about a lot of it just coming directly from us, directly from the company. Um, And over time, we realized that the coaches have a really um, incredible amount of value to add, both in terms of the content that they create, as well as um, innovating where we're going and the types of things that we're solving for people. And so we've consciously opened up so that we can get the coaches more involved in helping us think through our product, helping us think through the guided sprints, the content in in those guided sprints. And we hope to continue. Need to do that, so that over time, scale becomes a platform for coaches and for people that has you know a continually improving amount of value that's being created based on the conversations that are happening and the type of content that people are creating, and where it's not entirely on us to be the entire source of um, innovation for the company and for the product.
0: And when you think about innovation, a lot of the times there's this like ego with where does innovation come from? Or who does it come from? But ultimately, it it may sound cheesy, but you know, your users are a great source of innovation to draw from, whether it is the, the people that are using your services or the coaches. So I, I love that approach, and I, and I think it's reflective of some of the greater places where innovation has come from at other companies. So before I let the two of you go, what an amazing conversation. I'd love to ask each one of you to consider, where do you see yourself and your industry one month from now, one year from now, and 10
1: years from now? I think we're at a really interesting time for coaching, not just for professional coaching, but also for all the different forms of life coaching and meditation coaching and fitness and personal training. You know, for us as a company, I think a year from now, we want to be at a point where we've launched um, our mobile product, where we're starting to really scale the business where we're creating a really strong and vibrant community of people who are you know, having conversations that helps them level up some, of course, through our, our guided sprints and our product. Um, but a key thing that we want to do is we want to bring coaching to people, um, even if they aren't already scale users. And so we've been running a lot of events and doing a lot of community building around that. And and so over the next year, I see this as a really pivotal year for our company to move from this early product discovery stage into much more of a um, post-launch stage where we're starting to, to grow and to scale. Uh, so I think 10 years from now, I think there's a really interesting role for artificial intelligence to play, to help make coaches more effective, to help give people the advice that they need. I still think we're too early for that to come into play today. And and I don't think we'll ever be in a position where a bot or an AI is going to completely replace a professional coach. Part of the magic of coaching is that human connection. But I think there are cases where AI can make coaching much more effective and can make uh, for the coaches to be able to provide the right a- advice um, and for people to be able to know when they need to seek out advice or to to, to be able to self-report their own um, behaviors or their own progress that they're making. So, um, you know, it's not something we've spent a lot of time on yet, but over that 10 year horizon for scale, as well as for lots of other coaching companies, I'm really excited about the role um, that AI is going to play um, in helping to continue to improve the experience and to make the experience more accessible and more affordable.
0: And I love that continuous focus on the problem and the users. And I think that's a really great guiding principle as you bring in some of those new technologies, especially as Victoria, I know that's something that you touched on.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, one month from now, if we can be getting more incredible coaches who are excited to help other people onto our new platform and getting them matched with people who need help, that's, you know, that's super exciting for us. Every time we make a match and we help people get through a guided sprint, it's just so rewarding. Um, And so in one month, if we can continue to push forward in the industry to help more coaches and, and more members just get support, that's, you know, what we really focus on. And in one year from now, um, you know, again, scaling to mobile and having, you know, our vision really is to be kind of this ongoing career companion for someone, right. Whenever they have any, anything at work that they need support with, they have somewhere to go and something, someone reliable that they can connect with. And so when we launch mobile, that's, that's part of kind of that, you know, on the go companion experience we want to be able to provide. And that's super exciting for us and having, you know, many more guided sprints that are available to really help address all the different needs that we're hearing from the community where they want support. And again, helping even more coaches in the creator economy, just be successful um, using scale as part of their overall work portfolio, whatever that might look like for them and providing that flexibility and providing that opportunity for them to pursue their interests and do something that's fulfilling to them um, is super exciting for us. And in 10 years, you know, I, I think I echo, you know, what Ravi's saying around AI, especially in terms of personalization and helping people to better understand themselves and helping coaches better understand people they're they're serving, Um, you know, the more we can kind of leverage technology to make better recommendations and better match coaches and members and sprints, right? That really helps reduce a lot of incompatibility that might be out there in the coaching industry right now. And, um, you know, that also makes the experience and learning and um, coaching overall better for everyone involved. And so if we're able to capitalize on that effectively, um, that's really exciting. And we also really just are pumped about the future of work, right? Like we're, if we're able to help everyone who's out there struggling with work in some capacity. There's so many really exciting industries and areas that we could provide that support. Um, And so we're just getting started.
0: Really excited to see where the two of you go. And thank you so much for joining me on the Win Win podcast and sharing both of your
2: stories with us today.
1: Thanks for inviting us.
2: Thanks so much. This was really fun. Yeah, this was great.
0: Thanks for listening to Win Win, brought to you by WIN, Women in Innovation, and myself, Zoya Kozikoff. If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit womenininnovation.co to learn more about our organization, programming, and other opportunities. And remember, when women innovate, we all win.